views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Welcome to Cultural Brilliance Radio, the DNA of organizational excellence with Claudette Rowley. Conversations that are transforming the world of culture and business. Claudette brings fresh, innovative perspectives that push the boundaries of what organizational cultures can and should be. Learn how to catalyze your organization's workforce into an authentic, intentional, and financially successful culture. Now here's your host, Claudette Rowley. Hey, everybody. Welcome. It's so great to have all of you tuning us in and turning us on. Um, You know, I love these conversations I get to have with Claudette Rowley here on Cultural Brilliance Radio. And the reason that I love them is because many of us work in organizations. And, you know, some folks say that we are a reflection of the organization and the organization is a reflection of who we are. Now, I am not the expert in this area, but Claudette really is. You know, the question then becomes, how can change, how can change be revealed? You know, can we actually change the culture of an organization? And, you know, this is an interesting conversation for a number of us, and, and you'll see why. Because we kind of think, maybe almost believe that, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm kind of self-employed. I don't really, I don't really need to listen to this. Or wait a minute. By the way, I'm part of a of a small business office here. You know, we're doctors, and you know, maybe, or maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, wait a minute. I'm part of a radio network. I'm not sure what that culture looks like. Well, that's why that's why Claudette's in the house today. Claudette Rowley. She is a actually CEO of Cultural Brilliance, which is a fabulous organization that helps companies get at what is going on that's blocking them from establishing, creating, and changing to the best culture they could possibly have. Uh, and that's what today is about. So uh, how do we go about this? How do we make sure uh, that organizations learn from this? Uh, What can we do? Now, this is just uh, a a small part of what Claudette does. Beyond working with organizations on culture, she brings knowledge, information, uh, workshops, webinars, webcasts, you name it. It's about creating an authentic dialogue so that companies can take a really look in a very safe way and say, oh, maybe we could do things differently. So today, can we change culture? How to improve organizational culture? Hotly debated, but can we change it? Claudette, welcome. It's great to have you here. I mean, isn't this interesting? We don't really look maybe at the company we're working for as having a culture, do we? Often we don't, Pat. And I'm I'm thrilled to be talking about this today. It's such a great topic. You know, can we change culture? Often people, yeah, people exist. This is one of the the interesting aspects of culture is that because we're in one in an organization, we sometimes forget it's there. It's like being in your, you know, family growing up. You didn't really think about whether you were in a family or not. You just were in one. An organizational culture can sometimes be like that for people. They don't really think about it anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, do you find that it, 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 the, the longer that you're in the organization, the more sort of embedded you are as being part of it? So you really can't see things, perhaps, that people that are newer to the organization might see? Uh, or do you think some things are just obvious all around? I think it's a mixed bag. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes new people in the organization are going to notice things that everyone else has just accepted as part of how we operate as an organization. Mm -hmm. And then people who have been there a number of you know months or years are really familiar with the culture. They're the ones that know all that unspoken, you know, the unspoken norms. We only, you know, talk to so-and-so about certain topics. We never bring this up with the CEO or we only bring it up in certain ways. So those folks are going to know all those things no one ever talks about, but everyone sort of, you know, understands in their organizational language that they have to, you know, rules they have to follow, ways of doing things that they need to use as guides. Yeah. It, the word change, you know, when you say the word change, what kind of emotion does it bring up for people in the organizations now? It's a, that's a really interesting question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a, a couple of different answers come to mind. Okay. One is that if for some folks, it's, it, you know, they're going to cringe because yeah. they're handling change after change after change. Mm -hmm. um, other people who have been waiting for a particular change to happen, perhaps, like they've known it for a long time that something needed to change, might feel excited or relieved that something's the wheels are finally turning. Mm -hmm. um, I heard a speaker recently say, who's an, a coach high up in a lot of organizations. And he said, you know, when we talk about today's rapidly changing environment or things like that, or change is constant, he said, it's, it's at the point now where change is how people operate in organizations. It's not that there's too much change. It's not that it's rapid. It just is what it is now. Ch mm -hmm. Rapid change is how people live. Um, and he, his assertion was that people are really at the end of what they can humanly cope with. In terms of change, like that it can't speed up anymore because people are already scrambling to try to keep up. Mm -hmm. Interesting perspective. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, as people try to keep up, that is actually, isn't that uh, actually a change that has been going on in organizations, right? I mean, that's part of the change that's happening at a global level now is, you know, people uh, trying to keep up because we're now in organizations that are are demanding almost like a one-touch delivery on things, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that's the very nature that technology has driven. But what are some of the other drivers uh, that affect an organization or a culture that may push them to change in whether they want to or not? Mm. You know, sometimes it's often it's external. Uh, external factors they're falling maybe they're falling behind their competition yeah um they're they're not keeping up in some way um they're not making the money they need to make you know it, uh, unfortunately although we we might think change should come from other you know other things like people mm -hmm. are suffering or <laughs> being disrespected you know they're off it's often going to come from the externals um and however as long as change is, is functional and productive however it gets there is, mm -hmm. is however it gets there yeah. I mean, is it, is it uh, you know, maybe, maybe too much to say that cultures do evolve? I don't think it's too much to say that at all. Mm -hmm. I think cultures are actually, unless they've gotten really stuck and entrenched in a certain mm -hmm. way, if we look at, if we really can step back and look at culture, organizational culture, and any culture, really, it is actually evolving, you know, almost all the time. Um, and sometimes it'll evolve in a way that's very dramatic or rapid, and that's when we'll tend to notice mm -hmm. it. 
yeah. but but really because it's pe- people learning and interacting and with internal influences and external influences culture is my perspective is that it's always evolving Mm-hmm. You know, I think let's just take a moment, if we could, for people that, you know, are tuning in, maybe have heard the dialogue on organizational culture or culture in general. But let's just let's talk for a minute about what cultural is. What makes up the word culture when we hear it from an organizational point of view? Obviously, it's got to have some kind of defining, you know, set of circumstances or ideas. What is it that makes up a culture. Yeah, it I I think of it in two different ways. Okay. Um one is that it's it's a set of beliefs and assumptions people have about what their organization values and expects from them. And so those beliefs and assumptions may or may not be true. Uh but you could have almost a whole entire workforce in an organization believing something or assuming something about what's expected and that's what they'll operate, you know, they'll operate based on that. You know, for example, if a company if, if people believe and assume that you need to stay at work as long as the leader or CEO stays at work, whether or not that's true, they will assume they will that will eventually become part of the culture that we have to stay. We need to stay there until the CEO leaves, even if that's ten at night. Yeah, uh, what is an example of that. Another way, and this is definitely a nod um, to Ed Kershine, who talks about defines culture as the way, you know, what we learn together as a workforce, as a set of employees, what we learn as we make decisions, solve problems, you know, and move initiatives forward, we're always learning. And as we're learning and interacting together, our culture forms and evolves from there. And I love both of those definitions. Um, Is there a a case being made uh, on both sides? Like uh, one is, oh, yeah, we can change the workplace culture. Uh, Oh, no, we can't. Is there this, what's this hot debate about? Yeah, I think the hot debate about it is some, there's some some folks who say you know culture's everything, and so we need to come in and change the mm-hmm. culture, and and then others come in and say, well, yeah, culture's there and it's important, but we really need to change. Look at other levers, like can we change a business process? Can we empower people more? Can we can we come in in strategic ways to intervene that will get us where we need to go as an organization, but we don't necessarily need to actually look at the culture itself. Um, and then there are other folks who think, you know, the culture, because culture is driving everything. And I think of culture as another way of thinking about it is it's the same way as individual people. We have a mindset or a perspective on things. That's like our internal culture. That's the way our own individual mm-hmm. culture about the world. And mm-hmm. so then we have this collective larger culture in an organization, this cultural intelligence that is always operating. And I think that so people, it, you know, there are different schools of thought, you know. Don't focus too much on culture. Focus on changing other aspects of the organization. Other people saying culture is everything. Focus there. You know, I think that for mo- for most people listening, they look at their organization and there are things that come to the surface that for them are very defining. You know, mm-hmm. they're defining moments that they can recall about the organization, the culture, the people in it. And, you know, they want more information about, you know, how do I act here? What do I do? What happens if what what I believe in, my values, what happens if they're different? We're going to take a short break and we come back. We're going to talk about the neuroscience of culture, everyone. Claudette Rally is in the house. Cultural Brilliance Radio right here. The DNA of organizational excellence. We'll be right back. I was a liar, I gave into the fire, I know I should have found 
Dr. Pat Show, Talk Radio to Thrive By. I am so thrilled to be talking to all of you. We have got Talk Radio for all of us. Are you ready and willing and able to accept all of the abundance you can muster up in your life? Check us out at drpatcho.com, transformationtalkradio.com, transformationradio.fm. Song of the Heart, Walking the Path of Light, from author and healer Francine Vale is available now. Through Francine's life story, we learn how imperative it is to love one another. Once this simple truth is learned, peace on earth will prevail. Song of the Heart is a life lived and a story told for this purpose. To learn more about Francine and her amazing gifts, or to order your copy of the book today, visit angelsandlightbeings.com. Are you ready to thread your life with intuition? Intuit Apparel can help you do just that. This is not just about a piece of clothing. This is about a movement, an awakening, and staying centered in life. Your life. Intuitive and host of the radio show, Get Into It, Lynn Brown, was given this image with the intention of a clothing line designed to represent the essence of life itself. Visit IntuitApparel.com now and wear your intuition with pride. Holistic Medical Center is where you find it all. A healthy space with doctors who care, see, and listen to the whole you. Hi, this is Dr. Darvish. If you have not found an answer to your chronic symptoms, you will find answers here at Holistic Medical Center. Our doctors find the root cause of your symptoms and guide your body towards healing naturally. We transform lives from within. Visit drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. A word of caution. If you prefer the status quo and you are not interested in improving every aspect of your life, this book will trigger the shift out of you. The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens is available now. Author Colette Steffen brings the powerful knowledge and life-changing energy and empowerment from the radio airwaves to the pages of her new book. To get your copy in paperback or ebook, visit thetruthisfunny.com today. Sky Siegel co-hosts one of today's most popular psychic shows, Angels and Answers, with Artie Hoffman as she communicates healing messages from the spirit world. These messages can be astounding, enlightening, and life-changing. Born with the God-given talent of inner guidance and the amazing ability to heal, Sky has healed thousands of people. Schedule a reading with Sky now. Call 908-500-1474 and visit skyofangels.com. Wow. Hey, everybody. Yeah, I love this. Cultural Brilliance Radio, the DNA of organizational excellence. Uh, Claudette Rowley is in the house. This is this is what she does. Cultural Brilliance is her organization. She is the CEO of, of Cultural Brilliance. But more, most importantly, you know, the work that she does in organizations is uh, is about people. And, you know, we often forget that we are talking about people. And if you're listening to this show and you're thinking to yourself, well, wait a minute, I might be running a company, but but maybe I'm not. How do I have a conversation with Claudette and, and help my organization make a positive change? Because that's really what we're talking about. You know, there's, there's truly the dark side that many people hear about, many articles are written about. 
But this is about cultural brilliance. And what does that look like? What does that mean? Um, and so today we're going to talk about can we change culture? Can we change it? Um, you know, you, you all that are listening, you can go to the website culturalbrilliance.com uh, and lots of information there. Also archives of, of Claudette's show, how to contact her. You know, I love the t this next segment here and this, this idea, the neuroscience of culture, Claudette. I really love this. I love that term um, because most people see culture and culture change as complete chaos. Um, I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Can you tell folks what the neuroscience of culture is about and, and how does it relate when we use that term neuroscience? What are we really looking at here? Yeah, happy to, Pat. Yeah. It's it's an aspect of culture that is overlooked, I think, a lot of times. I mean, if you Google it, you're going to find information about it, the neuroscience of culture. But we're really saying that the culture we're in, the environment we're in, does does impact our brains. It, it does, mm -hmm. you know, it impacts the wiring in our brains. It impacts how we perceive things. It impacts how we handle certain tasks. And so organizations, not all organizations by any means, but a lot of organizations still think of culture as this optional thing. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. we should really address our culture, but you know what? It's just so overwhelming. We're not going to. Mm -hmm. And here we are yet every day, day in and day out, people are in the culture of the organization, even if they, let's say, work from home, right? But they're still impacted by the culture of the organization, which is impacting how they think about things, which is impacting their brains. That's, the neuro, you know, the neuroscience part of it and it will impact their overall performance in the organization. So when we look at the neuroscience of culture, we really start to understand at a fundamental level that it culture does matter because it's impacting how we think. And, you know, now we're really talking about organizations. When we say neuroscience, we're talking about there's a system operating here. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a system operating here. And, you know, perhaps it's similar to the way that, you know, you refer to the, the wiring. There are so many connections in an organization. It's really important to acknowledge them, right? I mean, isn't that really the first step of this? What we're talking about here today is as we look at the neuroscience of culture, we're looking at, wait a minute, these are people and there are connections and people are connecting. How do you determine how that system is operating. Is it operating well? How do you go about uh, working with, with organizations to say, wait a minute, this is what I see here, this is what I see here? A lot of it is, and I feel like I say this in every, show, every Cultural <laughs> Brains radio show, is listening. Uh, yeah. Listening and observing and, yeah. you know, really start there. You know, what do we see? What do people look like? And by look like, I, you know, I mean also facial expressions, you know, and how are they interacting with each other? What are they saying? What are they talking about? What's the quality of the conversation? What is not being said? You know, how, what's the energy like? Um, a month or two ago, I did a, an, initial, an initial session with the team in a or, small organization. Mm -hmm. What I noticed was that I'd really been prepped by the leader. The leader had said, you know, I'm not – essentially, I'm not sure how this is going to go over with this team. You know, these are some of their expectations, their concern. This is going to be too fluffy, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So I get in there, and, and she prepares me well in terms of helping me understand the team. And the session actually went well, and she said it, this went better than I thought. And then as soon as the session was over, I couldn't believe 
what changed, which was during our session, which was three hours, I think, that, you know, there was calmness in the room. People were attentive and listening and inter- very interactive. You know, they did offer their opinions. They did inter- interact with me and each other. Great. And then as soon as our session was over, the energy picked up like I, I couldn't believe. I'd almost never experienced such a quick change where they went into what I think was their normal mode where people were racing all over the place. You know, they were at literally rearranging furniture for the next meeting. I mean, and this was all within 30 seconds after we concluded wow. our session. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that it tells, told me so much about their actual probably authentic culture. It was that they're running so fast and so, you know, everything was moving so quickly that, that I didn't even have time to pack up my stuff. Wow. You know, before they were on to the next thing. Wow. Why do you think they were calm and peaceful, you know, during your session? What, what was the, you know, what was sort of the factor that influenced that? I would uh, probably two things. They were very prepped by their leader. Okay. Uh, and they, they, of course, of course, they knew I was coming and they knew this mm-hmm. was supposed to be more of a reflective session and they're in the education field. So they're, you know, they're used to reflecting. Right. As part of that paradigm. So I don't, they did get into it. They seemed to get a lot of value out of it and learn from it. But I thought, wow, if the culture though snapped back into place so quickly, how will they get to reflect again? How will they get to incorporate in what they've learned today? I mean, it was really, really an interesting experience. Yeah. So chances are they may not even have the time to reflect on that. I mean, it, it, you know, what I hear you saying is very characteristics of a lot of organizations today, you know, that are running so fast, they always feel like they're behind. So when there is an opportunity to look at doing something different or operating in a different way, don't you find that people really look at their watch and say, when am I going to fit that in? Yeah, they they do. And I actually had um, the privilege of hearing one of the leaders from the Center for Creative Leadership speak uh, recently. And uh-huh. he does a lot of coaching all over the world. And, and he, he had a very dry sense of humor. And he said, you know, I'm getting old now, so I can get away with saying a lot <laughs> of things that other people couldn't. And he sometimes he says he'll literally say to leaders, when was the last time you thought? When was the last time you sat down and thought about what you're doing? And he's actually gotten responses like, well, we don't have time for that. <laughs> we don't have time to think, you know. And so some of his coaching is around thought and action produce better results than action alone. Mm-hmm. And this was not, you know, what he, he just, he really just called it out what so many people are experiencing and thinking is that people literally are saying, I don't have time to think. Now, when I say that, we, we all, if we stop, we all realize that doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make sense to take action without thinking first. But yeah, the kind so. of thinking you're talking about, though, is not the thinking about what am I going to do next? You know what I mean? It's it's you're not thinking like, OK, I've got to I've got to go from A to B to C to D. Right. Mm-hmm. You're thinking, how am I going to get there? And what's the shortest distance between two points to get me there? Not thinking about, well, wait a minute, let's stop for a minute and think about what might be possible here. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, the thinking that you might be referring to. It's that creative thinking, or or is it just all of it? We're just kind of like marching to the next text message I get. You know, I I think it's both. It's definitely Mm -hmm. the creative strategic thinking you know, yeah. you need a little space and time for it. And in some mm-hmm. instances, I'm even seeing it's the it's a responding to problems and putting out fires, which, yes, requires thinking. But sometimes it's happening in ways that when you look at it, you're 
and you reflect and say that could have been done in an easier way. Yeah. That could have, and and not, I don't mean that in a judgmental way, just more of a people aren't even stopping for 10 minutes to, to just say, wait a minute here. What's yeah. the best course of action? Or let me consult with my colleague for a minute, you know, and see what the best course of action might be. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, does this affect creativity? Let's talk about creativity a minute because creativity is part of the neuroscience of anything, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like a creative vibe. There's this moment where ideas come together. Um, I would imagine that going on a, a week-long retreat is not going to happen <laughs> with this organization, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what what do you do in situations like this? How do you help people take a moment to breathe, so to speak? You know, it often starts with bringing this to their attention, mm-hmm. you know, and getting the, getting their feedback on it. And saying, you know, having them start to think about and reflect on what would be possible for them if they did actually spend some time mm-hmm. uh, in whatever, you know, whether it's individually in some sort of group setting, did spend some time really reflecting on how, how well are they doing, what mm-hmm. are areas that could be improved, what's their experience like, what do they think is getting missed. Uh, yeah, because without and creativity does need some space and time periodically. Yeah. And without that, you're, yeah, you're missing, chances are most organizations are missing a lot of opportunities, particularly Mm -hmm. in part of their culture is let's move as fast as we possibly can. Hmm. Well, I mean, clearly there is this understanding of the connectivity of things when we're talking about neuroscience. We're talking about, you know, uh, somebody's got to understand or somebody's got to take a moment to understand the connections to things. Who is that person, and how does how does how does thing how do things get done? You know, what is the reason, the rationale, why culture might need to evolve? How, but most importantly, why is it always out of the last ditch effort to make sure you're not missing a deadline? And um, what happens if you work for a phone company like I did? And you miss that deadline that has to do with that fancy dancy new phone feature that you've got on your smartphone. Do they, those things really do happen and do we ever look at culture? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is Leslie Fontaine, and my show is Sheer Alchemy on TransformationTalkRadio.com. When we're bogged down with our emotions, the hardships that plague us in our relationships, at work, our finances, we literally can't see the higher plane where we could be operating from. Tune in to Leslie Fontaine, Sheer Alchemy on TransformationTalkRadio.com. If you're one of the millions of Americans suffering from anxiety, you probably know how powerless and out of control this emotion can make you feel. This is why it is so important to remember that anxiety is created by your mind, which means that you can learn to use your mind to uncreate it. 
Hello, my name is Dr. Friedman Schaub. My award-winning book, The Fear and Anxiety Solution, provides you with a step-by-step breakthrough process to understand and resolve the root causes of your anxiety and build a solid foundation of confidence and inner peace. If you are ready to take your power back, visit thefearandanxietysolution.com. That's thefearandanxietysolution.com. Or call 866-903-6463. That's 866-903-MIND. Brand consultant and coach Jen Morgan is here with Radically Distinct Radio to help maximize your brand's power to produce results. Whether you're a person with a dream and unsure where to start or a CEO of a successful company wondering what's next, Jen Morgan and the RAD Method empowers you to play to your strengths and focus your competitive edge so you can show up in the world as your most powerful brand. Go to jenmorgan.com or call 206-972-5366. Would you like to experience life-transforming adventures in personal expansion and world service? If you do... Tune in to learn about magical innate abilities that you can develop and use to make your dreams come true. Joy Elaine is author of The Joy Chronicles, and she's inviting you and millions of others to join her in working with galactic masters, angels, and the Ashtar Command as they assist humanity and planet Earth to achieve their ultimate destination of ascension. For more information about this upcoming event and broadcast, visit joyelaine.com. That's joy, E-L-A-I-N-E, dot com. What if your body and mind were the compasses to the secrets, mysteries, and magic of life? Glenna Rice, co-host of The Questionable Parent, is inviting you to access all that is possible. Glenna is a 10-year certified veteran access consciousness facilitator who offers an amazing variety of life-changing classes and workshops. Work with Glenna from anywhere with teleclasses and workshops all over the globe. To learn more and see Glenna's current schedule of events, classes, and workshops, visit glennarice.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's really great to have all of you tuning us in and turning us on. Cultural Brilliance Radio, Claudette Riley is in the house. And as I said before, you want to find out just about everything that uh, you could possibly think of, go to culturalbrilliance.com. There's also a way for you to sign up for this fabulous leadership mindset, which is absolutely great. Claudette puts those together and you will receive those in your emails. Um, Just to kind of just to kind of like, you know, have a new level of awareness about what's possible in your organization and, you know, stay on the edge of what the organization is about, what it might not be about, but what is leadership now about? And that's really, really kind of cool about that. Um, You know, today we're talking about culture change. And this is a a dialogue and a debate that's been going on decades and decades, I think, um, 
but you're bringing something different to the conversation. In, you know, uh, Claudette, when you're talking about cultural brilliance, you're talking about a way that the change could happen. And so that's kind of like what we're talking about now, how and why culture evolves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what is the difference between how a culture may evolve and how a culture may evolve uh, brilliantly? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not the same always. Not always. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. So, so how do cultures evolve? Hey, cultures, you know, sometimes cultures evolve because they're forced to. There could be a merger or acquisition. It happens. So, you know, if you, you're going to make that kind of a change where you're bringing two cultures together, it's going to change and evolve. Absolutely. Uh, or even a, a, new, a new leader coming on board. You have a new CEO, especially of a large organization. Chances are that person is going to make changes or their personality or their style, leadership style is going to be such that it pushes on the culture to shift and change it. Um, the culture may not like that, but that leader may try to do that. You also, you know, another common one could be some sort of restructuring or reorganization, you know, where you're some, maybe you've, you've, your company's been U.S. based and now it's going to be global. Uh, You know, it's going to have, there's going to be a site in India, there's going to be a site in Germany, things like that, where your, your culture is going to change because literally now you're multicultural. You have people from other cultures. Yeah. Um, So now we're not, we're not just talking about organizational culture. We're talking about the culture of the countries people are from and living in. So then we then then we it gets even a little more complex. So yeah. culture's gonna evolve for, for those ways and for those reasons. And then sometimes it's a slower evolution. It could be something naturally over over time. Um, going back to Edgar Schein's definition that culture evolves as we learn together. So it could be that as the business grows, the culture slowly over time changes. Mm. Yeah. When it's changing slowly, I mean, there is an analogy that we use about change quite often, and it has to do with this little frog. And, you know, I know for me that I was part of an organization for a long time, and that change in the organization happened really slowly until one day it didn't. And they decided we're going to break up the phone company. It's a monopoly. We're going to break it up. Now we have a devastating change on what that means. And, and, and quite honestly, the telephone company really didn't recover in the way people thought. But it turned out that as a result of that ending, there were new possibilities that under mm-hmm. the old culture could not emerge, right? Right. Could not emerge. There wasn't a mindset. There wasn't a need. We're seeing that kind of thing happen more and more with mergers, acquisitions, you know what I'm saying? There's mm-hmm. a lot of that going on, but we don't talk about it anymore because it's like second nature almost, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think and often we forget to, to your, your point in your example with the phone company, we forget to see that there are opportunities. So when, the, when a culture changes, particularly when it's, it's something overt like a merger or acquisition, mm-hmm. that there, there could, you know, sometimes those are, those are truly negative experiences for the people who work there. That's, that's mm-hmm. absolutely the case. And other times, there actually can be possibilities that emerge for folks, a new opportunity to work in a, you know, work in a new role, new resources, maybe a, a better leader. I mean, there really can be, can be opportunities. And I think one of the other reasons that culture evolves is because there can be, and this can sometimes be the, the culture that evolves slowly, and then all of a sudden it seems like there's this cultural disruption or chaos is because there can be simmering unmet needs for a long time. 
it could be an unmet need in the workforce. It could be an unmet need that, you know, we've needed to have a better, uh, if it's a manufacturing company, we've needed to have a better production line in place for, or system in place for a long time, but we keep saying that and no one's addressing it. And so mm-hmm. all of a sudden things are in disarray. You know, we even see that today in our, um, our political landscape, you know, where mm-hmm. some people would say because of a lot of unmet needs people have had, we certain, see certain political candidates coming to the forefront. Uh, and if those people's needs had been answered, we might not have, you know, the candidate, the candidates yeah. we have right now running for president. So yeah. we unmet needs over time will cause any culture to evolve to the positive or the negative. Yeah. And, you know, we see this a lot and we don't talk about this, but we see this a lot in sports. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, uh, we see what happens the minute. And let's talk about this because leadership Right. I mentioned leadership before, you know, here we are. We're watching, you, you know, our favorite team. Uh, and I guess where you live, you haven't changed. You, you all haven't changed your football coach. in I don't know how long, mm-hmm. long time, you know, right. us folks in Seattle, we changed our coach, you know, three, four years ago, so to speak. But there are some teams that changing coaches on a regular basis. That means the leadership has changed to a point. Mm-hmm. What is the effect of that on culture? Let's say you don't go through a merger, you don't go through an acquisition, but all of a sudden now you've got a new CEO. Mm-hmm. How does that impact the organization? Is it the same? It's not the same. And it's, it really depends on the, the, the leader and CEO. You know, is that person... Mm-hmm. Why is that per- that person brought in? Because they're supposed to shake up the culture. Because the mm. board, I'm making an, of an example, the board has yeah. deemed that the culture needs to shift, or the organization's not profitable enough, and that CEO has been brought into clean house. Well, then that culture is probably going to change quite a bit, um, or there at least is going to be a lot of chaos in the culture if people don't like the changes that leader is proposing. You know, another leader could come in and maybe again he or she's supposed to handle. You know, the, they're the company's bleeding money. Maybe there's, you know, people are leaving. There's a revolving yeah. door or whatever and retention. But if they come in and they can do it in a way that aligns with the existing culture and improves it, then people won't feel that it's as jarring. They might feel it like, oh, it's great this leader's here because now some of the problems that hadn't been solved for so long are being solved. He or she understands us and gets who we are. And so when that person proposes or even mandates certain changes or initiatives, they're going to be more easily accepted. So I think a lot of it has to do with why that CEO has been brought in and how they handle the culture that exists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, are we ever going to be comfortable when we hear the word change? <laughs> I think it's just, that a, is, thought. just, just a thought. Just a thought. I think it so depends on how the organi- or the organizational culture views change. Mm-hmm. And I think how the leader views change. I mean, some leaders love change. They thrive on it. And that can actually be a problem because <laughs> they change things up. They're on our board or their ideas never get finished. And then, you know, and there are some individual people I run into and work with who really actually thrive on change. They're more that visionary, creative, let's keep things moving type. Mm-hmm. So it, it really just, you know, my experience has been that it runs the gamut. Yeah. That not everyone resists change. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, how do people prepare for change? And what I mean by that question is, you know, here we are. Um, I, I know change is coming. I know this is what's going on. But, boy, 
doesn't the idea uh, of change and culture change, the way that it's traditionally talked about, bring out the fear in most people? I, I think it does because they're concerned at some level that their culture is going to get obliterated. Mm-hmm. And the parts of it that they liked aren't you know, aren't going to be honored. And that's one of the reasons right. when I'm, I'm working with culture in my company is that we look at what's authentic. We stop, yeah. you know, we actually model slowing down <laughs> and, <laughs> and understanding what's going on in this culture. You know, what are all the best parts of it? What are the parts that aren't so great right now? Um, and, you know, what are the habits? What are the stories in the culture? How are people responding to things? Like we really, we really find out, and this doesn't need to take a long time either, but we, we do the deep dive to figure out how this culture actually operates so that when you, you decide to make a change, it's, it's something that's authentically aligned with what's going on within the organization. And you have the other mistake, you know, another reason people fear culture changes, they'll, they'll think, oh, it's just the, the leader's going to make all the decisions there at the top. Right. You know, and oh my gosh, and it's just going to funnel down to us. And we're going to hear a bunch of mandates and all the things we love are going to be gone. And maybe we'll, you know, we're going to have fewer benefits or whatever. Yeah. And you have people involved in the process at all levels of the organization and different departments. They, because they are also the culture, they become part of that entire change process. So while there might be things that they don't love that happen, because that, that's, you know, no one's going to be satisfied all the time. The majority of it, they're going to have participated in and said, yeah, you know what? I got to give input on that. I got to give feedback. Um, I like that this is important. I see how this makes sense for us as an overall organization based on our mission, our vision, and where we're hoping to go. Yeah. You know, this is really the thing that we don't talk about that often, and that is conversation. You Mm -hmm. know, what are the conversations that uh, authentic. Uh, the, when we're talking about authenticity, what mm-hmm. that? What does that conversation look like, and how does that really compare to what goes on? We're going to take a short break, and we come back. Ways to shift culture, ways to make change in organization. You know, someone said to me a while ago, uh, and and I was really fortunate enough to research this because I didn't believe it. They said to me, you know, it's not about the change. It's not about the end game. It's how you go about getting there. Mm-hmm. And I thought, really? You know, so it's really not about firing somebody. It's how you get there. Lo and behold, you know what? That somebody may have been absolutely brilliant. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. What is a brilliant culture? And how do we create them? Why are they important? Claudette Rowley has created a breakthrough five-step process to help you design a culture that is authentic, innovative, and successful. Learn how to create change with Cultural Brilliance Radio, the DNA of organizational excellence and Claudette Rowley. To learn more or work with Claudette, visit ClaudetteRowley.com. 
Artie Hoffman is the hottest psychic with the warmest heart and the host of the hit show Angels and Answers. A renowned psychic, medium, spiritual life coach, and an entertaining motivational speaker, Artie has helped over 15,000 people with his amazing intuitive gifts, his passion, and his humor. Call 877-ANGEL-02 to schedule a personal reading or to have your own psychic Artie party. That's 877-ANGEL-02. And visit ArtieHoffman.com and Angels and Answers on Facebook. Get ready to rid yourself of all that is weighing you down and holding you back from living the life you want for yourself. Coming Clean, The Art of Transparency with Katherine Moss is a hit show for women in recovery who are ready to live life on purpose. Tune in and let Katherine help you live your truth one day at a time. Live each Tuesday, 9 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. In retirement, will you outlive your money? It's a common question for people approaching retirement, but it doesn't need to weigh on you. Ask Ameriprise Financial Advisor Jeff Packman about the new Confident Retirement Approach. You and Jeff can break down retirement planning step-by-step to get the real answers you need. Call Jeff Packman, Financial Advisor, today at 425-453-0272. Office is located at 601-108th Avenue Northeast, Suite 1800, Bellevue, Washington, 98004. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., member of FINRA and SIPC. Beyond being this amazing neurologist, inventor, author, Dr. Dan Cohen has been called to look at technology and look at personal and spiritual development and merge these together as technology uses the healing and psycho-spiritual effects of synchronized sounds, vibrations, electromagnetic fields, and how that interacts with us in our nervous system in what we're calling the Soltech chair. The Soltech Lounge induces profound levels of relaxation that transition over time into deep meditative states. The synchronized sound, vibration, and magnetic field induce these states. The subject doesn't have to work at it. To learn more, go to soltechwellbeing.com. That's S-O-L-T-E-C, well-being. Everybody, welcome back. It's so great to have all of you tune us in, turn us on here at Cultural Brilliance Radio. Claudette, take a moment, if you would, before we talk about the ways that we could go about this, right? Take mm-hmm. a moment to let folks know how can they sign up for the Leadership Mindset? How can they find out more about you? And what's the best way if folks want to chat with you directly mm-hmm. uh, about their organization? What, just give folks uh, the information they need to contact you, if you don't mind. 
No, thanks so much, Pat. So my website is culturalbrilliance.com. Uh, my direct line is 781-538-6616. And I, yeah, I would love to chat with folks about their organizations and their cultures. Uh, Leadership Mindset uh, is right there on the website to sign up. And it's it's a very short email uh, that comes in your inbox. Yes, yeah, so a short, important, not a long thing to read uh, <laughs> uh, that uh, comes in your inbox on, on uh, Monday mornings, depending where you are in the world. Yeah. But sometime I love on, it. Yeah. Yeah, and by the way, you're going to see lots more. Uh, Claudette has got these fabulous articles being uploaded to her blog. It, it, it's a big conversation when we're talking about culture. It's even bigger when we're talking about brilliance. Uh, let's talk about one of our favorite topics here. I, I, you know, It doesn't matter to me if you're working for a large corporation, a small corporation, you work for yourself or you don't. Ways to shift and change culture. We're talking about people here. So how do we go about this? We're not just changing this thing that has no face. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And, and it, it's so much it is, is the how, right? How, how we do it. How we could, two organizations could say they want to uh, become more innovative, right? Which is a hot topic these days, right? They want more innovative cultures. And they could both, even let's say companies in similar industries, they're both, let's say, high tech. They both want to have more innovative cultures. And it's the how is going gonna, is gonna to be what matters, you know, um, because one company could do it really well and the other company could not do it well. And they're maybe not going to get an innovative culture and they could even have less productivity in their company. So it's really about putting a, a plan in place that's actually what I would call designed, which is you know part of the cultural brilliance model, that we've consciously and intentionally decided or designed how we're going to put this change in place. You know, how we're going to develop a more innovative culture. So we, example would, you know, could be, so we, we pull everybody together and we, as a company, define what innovation actually means, right? Because otherwise you're going to have 15 different definitions of innovation in your company because <laughs> it's not a particularly concrete word. You know, and you start from there and you have a process in place that people generally agree on. Okay, now we know what innovation means. How can our company become more innovative? What would that look like here? What would them, you would get into what functionally would need to change? Do people need to get trained or coached? They need to learn some things. We can't just say, you know, okay, voila, become innovative. You know, mm-hmm. how will we know if we've become innovative? What are, you know, what's our reason for even doing this? So you actually, you continue to have a set of con- conscious and intentional conversations so you, you all understand as a culture what you're doing, why you're doing it, and then how you're going to actually get there and how you'll know if you've gotten there and you can move forward from there. Yeah. And, you know, I love what you're talking about here in terms of, and let's get back to this 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 idea of authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is so key right now uh, in organizations, and we're seeing it now also in the mainstream. We're seeing about what authenticity means. Um, People do want to believe and trust, and some folks have not been able to do that. Isn't it difficult to build trust if people don't believe that the real you is showing up? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be really difficult to build trust. And, you know, sometimes that's going to be one of the reasons that becomes part of the how, how you make, how you move your culture forward is stepping back and saying, you know, we, we don't have trust in this culture. You know, there are certainly people who trust other individual people within the organization, but overall, we do not have trust in this culture. And we, and I've said that to organizations, you know, you're not going to be able to get where you want to go 
unless you can step back and build some trust so that people can be free to, you know, have some psychological safety. They can feel like there's, vulner, you know, well-held vulnerability in the organization so that they're not trying to protect themselves from being vulnerable. They actually feel like they can be vulnerable. An example yeah. with that, you know, the good old, I can admit I made a mistake. <laughs> um, I can give and receive feedback. Uh, I don't feel like someone's out to stab me in the back, you know, if I share an idea at the next meeting. So there was um, an organization, uh, I forget the name of the company, but it's a large corporation. They run a chain of movie theaters. And one of the things that they do, and I thought this was brilliant, was they, as part of their culture, every two hours, uh, people working in the theaters and other other, um, entertainment centers actually stop what they're doing and exchange feedback with each other. Wow. And it can be something like, because you know, the last, in the last couple of hours, you know, when you did such and such, that made it harder for me to do what I needed to do in my job. How can we make sure that doesn't happen again? What do we, how can we come together and talk about this? Like that's literally the language. And so Mm -hmm. they have a quick conversation and what they've done that is so phenomenal is they've tied this to their business results. They've tied it. This is part of their overall business system. So this isn't, and so I see organizations do this a lot where they'll say, yeah, this feedback thing's nice, but this has nothing to do with how, how profitable we're going to be. And I keep saying, actually, has everything to do with how profitable you're going to be. And this corporation has said, this is part of our business process and system is that you give feedback every two hours to each other. Wow. So everyone's learning. So everyone's learning. That's part of it. Everyone's learning all day long. And because of that, they actually, they were able to measure. They became more productive. Yeah. Um, They actually are more innovative and cutting edge. Absolutely. Because people aren't dragged down by the fact that there are festering conflicts. Yeah. And that's where your words match your actions too. Absolutely. Yeah. That's really what we're talking about here, which is really key in the process that you use uh, and talking about this is if you're going to say something, then you, you, you know, boy, you got to figure out how your behavior is going to match that. Mm-hmm. What a great show. Thank you so much for this to, today, Claudette. Uh, thank you for joining all of us here. One last question. What is your personal message? What would you like to leave us with today? I'd like, thanks, Pat. I'd like to leave everyone with the idea that I believe all cultures can be brilliant. And your definition, you know, that's going to vary from organization and culture to culture, right? You're going to have your own definition of brilliance. But that most cultures and organizations can be improved, or there are places that are more successful, more profitable, where people love to go there, they're engaged, and they get to be creative and innovative. And that's my vision is that I think any culture can be brilliant. Awesome. Claudette Rowley, everyone. And by the way, go to culturalbrilliance.com. I'm Dr. Pat. We've got another hour coming up here on Transformation Talk Radio. Make yourselves a great day. You've been listening to the hit show Cultural Brilliance Radio, the DNA of organizational excellence with Claudette Rowley. Conversations that are transforming the world of culture and business. You can download this podcast and find out more about Claudette and her breakthrough work at ClaudetteRowley.com. Please contact Claudette and find out how you can create a brilliant culture.